Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work. They take care of our air conditioning, and I hope you'll give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute. Lots to talk about, including... Rogue DAs will visit with Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. And Keith Flock, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, will be joining us as well. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving uh, on this day in 1941. Actually, FDR proclaimed uh, Thanksgiving as a national holiday. It actually made it on the third uh, or fourth uh, Friday of the uh, uh, Thursday of the month, I should say, fourth Thursday of the month in November. Actually, it'd been all over the place, and actually, the year before, it actually made it the third November, which upset people. So it became a national holiday in 1941. Anyhow, hope you and your family had a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving, and hope it continues through the weekend. It is November the 26th, and on this day in 1862, Oxford mathematician Charles Ludwig Dodson sent a handwritten manuscript to Alice's Adventures Underground and to 10-year-old Alice Liddell, the 30-year-old Dodson, better known for as is known to Plume as Lewis Carroll, made up the story one day on a picnic with young Alice and her two sisters, the children of one of Dodson's colleagues. Dodson's son of a country parson had been a brilliant at both mathematics and wordplay since childhood when he enjoyed making up games. However, he suffered from a severe stammer except when he spoke with children. He had many young friends who enjoyed his fantastic stories. The Adele children uh, thought his tale of a girl with uh, falls down a rabbit hole was one of the best efforts, and Alice insisted he write it down. During a visit to the Liddell's, English novelist Henry Kingsley happened to notice the manuscript. After reading it, he suggested to Mrs. Liddell that it be published. Dodgen published the book at his own expense under the name of Lewis Carroll in 1865. The story is one of the earliest childhood books written simply to amuse children and not to teach them. The book's sequel, though, The Looking Glass, was published in 1871. Dodgson's other works, including a poetry collection called Phantasmagoria and other poems, and another children's book, Sylvia and Bruno, did not gain the same enduring popularity as Alice books. Dodgson died in 1898. I always thought that this was some sort of political allegory, like Wizard of Oz, but it's not. He wrote it for the amusement of children. What an interesting story. He could only speak with children because of extreme stammer. Well, European and Asian countries tighten travel restrictions today after a new vaccine-resistant coronavirus variant was detected in South Africa with the EU, Britain, and India, almost all, all those announcing stricter border controls. Britain banned flights from South Africa and neighboring countries and other British travelers returning from their to quarantine while European Commission Chief Ursula von der Leyen said that the EU also aimed to halt from the region. The variant is a spike protein that is dramatically different to the one that in the original coronavirus the COVID-19 vaccines are based on. 
the UK Health Security Agency said, raising fears about how current vaccines, successful against the more familiar Delta variant, how they'll fare. As scientists have described, this is the most significant variant they've encountered to date, British Transport Secretary Grant Schnapps said to uh, Sky News. The World Health Organization, or WHO, is to hold a meeting in Geneva at 11th uh, day at the uh, uh, mountain time in Geneva. Experts will discuss the risk it presents if it should be designated as a variant of interest or a variant of concern. Uh, by the way, financial futures are getting creamed today. Dow futures, as we speak, are down about 800. Now, today, the Friday after Thanksgiving, is typically a light trading day. Most people have taken a vacation, professional traders. So hopefully, uh, this will all correct uh, on Monday, but we'll see. It may actually be an expression of which way the market might go. In any event, futures way down this morning, and that's because of the fear of the pandemic. Nearly 100 sequences of the variant have been reported, and early analysis shows that it has a large number of mutations requiring further study. One epidemiologist said it was too late to tighten travel curbs. Scientists are still learning about the variant, first identified at the start of the week, but the news pummeled uh, financial markets with stocks in Asia on Friday suffering the sharpest drop in three months and oil plunging more than 3%. The variant is called B.1.1.529. has been found in Botswana, uh, Hong Kong, and according to the UK uh, Security Agency, European countries have already been expanding booster vaccinations and tightening curbs as the continent battles a fourth wave of coronavirus led by the Delta variant, with many reporting record rate uh, daily rises in cases. The new wave comes as Europe and the United States enter winter, with more people gathering indoors in the run-up to Christmas, providing a perfect breeding ground for the infection. Germany reported a record more than 76,000 COVID infections in a day as its uh, Air Force got ready for the first time in a pandemic to fly severely ill patients to other parts of the country to unburden struggling hospitals. Coronavirus has swept the world in uh, the last two years since it was first identified in central China, infecting almost 260 million folks and killing 5.4 million around the globe. Uh, this this uh, is certainly a variant, but it doesn't talk about the severity. Usually, Variants, as they develop from a virus, become less and less uh, virile, less, less and less uh, deadly. But we'll see what happens with this one. Of course, as we're concerned about the implications of it being man-made in the Wuhan lab. By the way, I'm just reading The Real Anthony Fauci by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Talks about Bill Gates, Big Pharma, and the global war on democracy and public health. It's a great read so far. And uh, I'm concerned about a pandemic of fear as a result of this announcement around the world. And uh, hopefully we'll keep things in perspective as we move forward. Well, Bernie Carrick joined Carl Higby on Greg Kelly reports on Wednesday night. This is after the J6 committee subpoenaed him to testify before their theatrical investigation. Carrick was falsely accused by the geniuses on the committee of attending a meeting on January the 5th in Washington, D.C., the night before the president's speech at the Ellipse in Washington, D.C. He set the record straight. He told Carl Higby what the committee of angry leftists can expect if he testifies before the committee. Here's what Carrick said. I can tell you I'm one of the small group of people who are working for the legal team under the supervision of Rudy 
Giuliani that can positively 1,000% say there was a substantial irregularities, there were overwhelming fraud, election fraud, and voter fraud. We captured it, we gathered it, we talked to witnesses, we did affidavits. The bottom line is many of these things we're investigating since over the last 11 months have come to fruition in Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin, and Michigan. So for those things that we were investigating, and I think the American people should get to see that, Carl Hibby said, so you're saying now that you have those things in your possession and they might get that's going to be show all these things that wasn't shown in court that we could have access to right now? And Carrick said, well, that's right. Many of these things that didn't go to court, we only have six to eight weeks to conduct investigations in six different states. It's impossible. There's still things coming out today, and many of those things uh, were things that we're looking back uh, and, uh, and 10 months ago. So in other words, he's loaded for bear going in. In fact, he has to uh, respond to this subpoena. He's got lots to say uh, to the committee. By the way, the uh, president read this statement. Let me see if I can pull it over here so I can see it clearly. The unselect committee issued a subpoena to Bernie Carrick and the American Patriot and great former police commissioner of New York City for its January 6th witch hunt, but didn't realize that they were demanding is a massive trove of evidence of voter fraud. According to Bernie's lawyer, these documents show significant indicators of fraud in the 2020 presidential election scam, but have remained hidden from the public. It is exactly what the unselect committee should be interested in if it was a real investigation. Bernie wants to comply with the subpoena with the public hearing and asked me to waive attorney-client privilege so Bernie can testify and provide documents, which I grant him, he said. The unselect committee will not like what they asked for, uh, said President Trump. So interesting. So that's on the horizon. We'll see how this all works out. And by the way, President also, former President Trump, also issued a Thanksgiving message telling Americans to do not worry, we will be great again. He issued his comment as progressive lawmakers remain focused on passing a $2 trillion uh, spending bill and climate legislation amid rising inflation and on a partisan House Select Committee investing in the uh, January 6th events. The country is also dealing with a surge of migrants at the southern border, critical race theory affecting school curricula, and recent high-profile trials concerning fatal shootings with racial implications. Additionally, China and Russia have been taking steps that seem to threaten U.S. allies like uh, Taiwan and Ukraine. A very interesting time in our country, but don't worry, we will be great again and we will do it together, President Trump said in a statement released on Thursday morning. America will never fail and we will never allow it to go in the wrong direction. Too many generations of greatness are counting on U.S., counting on us, I should say. Enjoy your Thanksgiving, knowing that it's a wonderful future that lies ahead. Former President comments came following a recent poll that showed him defeating President Joe Biden in a 2024 matchup. Uh, Political on Tuesday reported Trump was leading in states he lost to Biden to in 2020. The report said it's that of likely voters in 2024, Trump led Biden and Arizona by 8 percentage points, Georgia by 3, Michigan by 12, and uh, Pennsylvania by 6, Wisconsin by 10. Numerous polls have also found that Biden's approval rating of course, is in the tank, and that's all because of Afghanistan. Well, you know the list of the things that he's done to really cripple cripple this nation. Biden also gave a Thanksgiving message from Nantucket, saying he had we had a lot to be grateful for. Press didn't cover it so much, but they note did note a pass as he uh, his car cavalcade 
uh, in Nantucket. A man reportedly gave Biden the finger <laughs> as he was driving by. That was the big story coming out of his uh, stay so far in Nantucket. Well, finally, uh, Marcus Arbery, the father of Ahmad Arbery, who was uh, fatally shot on a residential street last year, issued a message of unity following the guilty, guilty verdicts of the three Georgia men on Wednesday, saying, all lives matter. Now, this is going against the narrative, of course, of the mainstream media. For real, all lives matter, not just blacks. We don't want to see nobody go through this, he said. Uh, shortly after the Georgia jury found all three men guilty in the in the killing of his son. I don't want no daddy to see their kid get shot down like that, he said. So, hey, let's keep fighting. Let's keep doing it and making this place a better place for all human beings, all human beings, everybody. Love everybody, he said. All human beings should be treated equally, he added. Moments earlier, the three men, of course, uh, were uh, found guilty of murder. His son, murdering his son. This is just such a great message from a father under such duress. And if you can imagine losing a son, I'm sure he appreciated the justice that he was experiencing at the moment. But nevertheless, a great message saying all lives matter. Good for him. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show and the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambos says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected into the community and with each other. The Golden Gate Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Tatiana Fortune, director of the Golden Gate Senior Center. We want to be able to connect you to whatever service or activity. And even if the person doesn't want to come out for socialization, if they have a question about, um, hey, where do I go for transportation? Where do I go 
for um, a certain health care, if they have a need, we are able to point them in that direction through our information and referral service. So we're more than happy to assist in that as well. To find out more, visit CallYourSeniorResources.org. That's CallYourSeniorResources.org. Or call the Senior Center directly at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and I hope you check it out. You can download the app by visiting the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Right now we have with us William Yateman. William is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. William, tell us about the Cato Institute. You bet. We're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. William, I'm looking forward to this conversation. And we've, uh, of course, we've seen what happened in uh, Milwaukee. Uh, District Attorney John Chrisham. Uh, said that uh, he had let this guy, he made a mistake and let Daryl Brooks, the guy that ran through the parade there in Washika, out on a $1,000 bail for early, and he had, he'd actually jumped bail previously. He'd been out on several occasions and committed serious crimes, actually tried to run over his girlfriend's, I guess he was a girlfriend, his, her mother, I forgot now, but uh, uh, a couple of days before. And... Uh, to me, it just seems to me that these DAs should be responsible, held accountable for uh, this this situation. What are your thoughts? Well, to be sure, they will. I mean, that's the the backstop. Ultimately, is the electorate, uh, the people of Milwaukee County, and I can't imagine this uh, sad state of affairs. And again, this is a tragedy. I mean, this is nothing. Uh, you know, alas. It will become a political football, and I guess that is the way it has to work. I mean, the people have to respond to his actions. Um, but, you know, by no means am I making light of the tragedy, um, but it will make for powerful opposition um, to his next campaign where he decide to run again. Uh, indeed, in any office where Chisholm to decide to pursue, I would imagine this decision will dog him. Yeah, you know, he uh, said back in the day, I guess this was back in uh, 2007, is it going to be an individual I divert or put onto a treatment program is going to go out and kill somebody? He said, you bet. Guaranteed. It's guaranteed to happen. It does not invalidate the overall approach I'm taking. He actually said that in 2007. I, I just wonder if, in fact, he can't be taken to court and be charged as an accessory after the fact uh, for the crimes that Brooks has committed. The, to be sure, I, I can give you an answer on that. And, and prosecutors, like judges enjoy absolute immunity. Uh, so unless there was something untoward going on, if it was mere negligence, if it was mere poor performance, then in no way would he incur criminal or, criminal or civil liability. Now, that said, if somehow there were shenanigans going on behind the scenes that, that contravened his legal and ethical duties, um, then that would be a different matter. But, uh, you know, were he to lose, I, I can promise you, um, the the... the the most uh, punishment he would endure is a loss at the polls. 
Yeah, you know, uh, nevertheless, I just wonder if perhaps he just can't be, we can, somehow they, he could be charged with these crimes. And I realize he would get off for them, but at least it would bring attention to what's going on with these rogue DAs that are uh, financed by George Soros during their elections. They get into office. And uh, I guess the whole idea is we're not going to charge people bail because they can't afford it like rich people, so we're just going to let them out. Is that kind of the idea? <laughs> so I can't speak. I think it's going to be uh, unique to the area. And I'll note this as well. Uh, you know, the, there was, to be sure, tons of, of dark money, if you will, you know, which progressives only seem to care about when conservatives are doing it. Yeah. Um, that, that Soros has showered across the country. I think it's something like $17 million over the last few election cycles. Um, at the same time, some of these cities, uh, you know, San Francisco, for example, St. Louis, um, they're pretty darn progressive, and, and it's it's likely that they would have elected a, a, a progressive-minded um, and probably not law and order-minded DA, uh, yeah. notwithstanding Soros's input. That said, um, you, you know I think you were right in the question that it's been flying under the radar um, for a while, but no more, um, especially after the tragedy that occurred uh, just occurred in Wisconsin. So I expect this to be the Soros' involvement and these policies to be front and center in, in uh, municipal district attorney uh, elections nationwide, you know, the, the upcoming cycle. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about Chicago, uh, Kim Fox in Chicago. We've got uh, DAs in uh, uh, Portland, Oregon. I mean, they, well, they're just letting people walk. They, you know, they're in prison for starting fires and starting riots and all kinds of things. Oh, just let them walk and they go out and do it all over again. It's just, uh, it is a crime against society, quite frankly. And it's uh, Soros. He just says, you know, I don't care about the consequences. This is this is good policy. He says that's how he justifies it. Well, he can afford private security. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he can indeed. Well, so, uh, you know, here we are, uh, the day after Thanksgiving, a lot to be grateful for, for sure, uh, but uh, nothing on the infrastructure front. What, what, what is, what's going on in that front? Oh, well, just in Congress, they were out this week, per usual, you know, on Thanksgiving. Um, that said, there is a ton of stuff coming up in the immediate term in December that's going to be a nightmare for Democrat leadership in the House and Senate. Um, I'll just quickly run down. On, on December 3rd, government funding runs out, um, so we, we face the prospect of a government shutdown. On December 15th, the debt ceiling band-aid will get ripped off. The debt ceiling will, will be reached, uh, breached again, um, so they'll have to deal with that. And then Christmas is the self-imposed uh, uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer deadline for the Build Back Better Act. And that's that, that big social, two, at least $2 trillion social spending measure um, that passed in the House uh, for human infrastructure. Um, so it, it's shaping up to be quite a busy and perhaps disastrous month for Congress. A lot to do and a lot of big issues. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see how this all plays out. Uh, I've heard that a couple of uh, Democrats are defecting from the uh, Build Back Better plan in, in the vote. Uh, where, where does that stand, do you think? It, I think the politics, at least in the Senate, are, are going to be uh, uh, very much as they have been for months now. So, it, again, it's going to be Manchin and Cinema are going to be calling the shots. But I think as your question uh, speaks to, there are a number of moderate senators 
um, who, who aren't necessarily willing to take on, incur the political capital of challenging leadership, but are nonetheless sort of uh, uh, rooting, if you will, for uh, Manchin and Cinema to pare down or altogether uh, pause this Build Back Better Act uh, um, in December. So that is to say, uh, Manchin and Cinema get all the press. Um, however, I think they represent at least a handful of Democrat senators who are uncomfortable with another spending bill, given that inflation is taking up the headline. Yeah, from your lips to God's ear. Thank you, William. But before I let you go, uh, the president right now is facing se severe inflation problems. And, uh, he, of course, he cut off the pipeline. He's done a lot of things to put us right in this situation. He won't take any responsibility for it, though. He's released 50 billion, a million barrels of oil, which is about 2.6 days supply. Uh, but he could do something to fix this problem. He could improve the Keystone Pipeline and so forth. Uh, what are your thoughts? Here, here, that what you just said, approving the Keystone Pipeline, that was something that was uh, pushed by Senator Manchin just this week. Um, I'll just say, as I noted last week, Biden has been all over the place on energy policy. One day, it's moratoriums and pipeline shutdowns. The next day, he's begging oil companies to pump more oil. The day after that, he's investigating them for price gouging. So his policy really is indicative of a White House in disarray that perhaps doesn't know what it's doing. Absolutely. Again, William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute, encourage you to visit the very robust website, cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. William, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much, and th happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Happy Thanksgiving to you, uh, and, and uh, have, a great, uh, have a great week. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com. Or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home 
44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit gulfshoreplayhouse.org. That's gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, not only building a beautiful performing arts center in downtown Naples, breaking ground on December 1st, uh, but also bringing you great professional New York-style theater at its very best and at a great price. So entertaining, professional theater. I hope you'll visit the website, Golf Shore Playhouse. Dot org and get tickets, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, going to be visiting with Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. So I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Well, we have had better. Uh, we were driving, we drove, drove on Wednesday up to New Jersey to be with my family. Uh, one of us began showing symptoms, and so we got all five of uh, my um, immediate family tested, and two of us tested positive oh. for the coronavirus. And so uh, we spent one night in a hotel in New Jersey, and then ye- uh, yesterday, instead of going and gathering with family, we drove back home. So it was not the Thanksgiving we were hoping to have. Right. But uh, we still had an awful lot to be thankful for and, uh, and talked about it, including a, a wonderful friend who made more than enough uh, Thanksgiving dinner for herself and her family, just dropped off a complete Thanksgiving dinner at our home. Oh, my goodness. Well, yeah, just uh, that's wonderful. Well, that's a, that's a great story. Now, you, you've all been vaccinated, so it's kind of curious that you would get, uh, you know, be test positive for coronavirus. Well, that's right. As we discussed before, I had been fully vaccinated and I had gotten a breakthrough infection. And now the other two fully vaccinated members of my family, my wife and our 12-year-old son, they were the ones who tested positive. And this is not uncommon. There are breakthrough infections. Uh, They are, however, and they do tend to, the probability tends to increase with the amount of time since you've received the vaccination. Yeah. Uh, and that's why the one of the reasons the FDA has approved uh, boosters for for all for all adults at this point. But the infections are milder. Mine was a very mild cold, uh, and uh, and they you are less likely to transmit the coronavirus. Uh, when I was infected, I didn't uh, a few weeks ago. I did not transmit it to any of my family. It wasn't until uh, several weeks later that uh, uh, my wife and son tested positive. And vaccines remain uh, the most effective thing that we can do to protect ourselves against the coronavirus. I was looking at some data from the CDC, Bob. Mm -hmm. And for people in your age group, late 60s, early 70s, the probability of death from from the coronavirus drops by 95% if if you vaccinate. In fact, your, your likelihood of dying from the coronavirus falls below that of an unvaccinated person in their 30s. So let me ask you a pointed question, Michael. 
Uh, should we believe everything we hear from the CDC? Well, uh, uh, of course not. We should always uh, we should always look at all data that people put before us with a skeptical eye. But this is consistent with lots of data uh, c collected by lots of organizations in the United States and other countries. Yeah. So to, to be clear, just uh, full disclosure: uh, if you're new to the show, Michael and I have been having this continuing dialogue. Michael is an advocate for has had his entire family inoculated, vaccined. And uh, I'm hesitant. I'm not against vac. I'm not against the uh, vaccines, but I am very hesitant about this particular vaccine. And now I wonder with this new South African variant that's come out. It's uh, the Michael markets are being roiled right now this morning. Dow's down about 800. All symptomatic of the fact that this new variant apparently has some new characteristics and uh, is apparently has the entire world up in arms and concerned about. Uh, infections, uh, they're closing down travel around the world. What are your thoughts? So this is a new variant of concern. In fact, it, uh, uh, the World Health Organization has given it the Greek letter NU, N-U, which will be plenty confusing when we're talking about the new variant. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it is a variant of concern because there are about 50 different mutations that uh, us, that uh, many of them are present in previous variants that are uh, more transmissible. This one appears more transmissible. There's been a uh, spike in cases in South Africa. Now, it is a spike in cases from a very low baseline number of cases, mm -hmm. but it's still something that public health officials are concerned about. They are keeping their eye on it. And it is a variant like this are likely one of the reasons that. Uh, that the rates of breakthrough infections increase over time because the existing vaccines may be less effective against new variants with new mutations. Yeah. And that is, again, why the FDA has approved boosters for all adults because uh, they believe that the, the booster shots can help. So, uh, uh, so uh, Michael, is, isn't it time for us to, yeah, isn't it time for us to take a step back to push the pause button a little bit here? This variant is so different. What's to say that the current uh, set of uh, uh, vaccines that we have is going to be effective against this uh, variant? Number one, and number two, as you've described, uh, the vaccines right now it seem to be not a vaccine, but rather a therapeutic because it simply dulls the infect it dulls the response to the symptoms it doesn't seem to eliminate the possibility of getting the the uh, disease in the first place so but it does reduce the possibility of either uh, contracting the disease or having a severe reaction uh, that leads to hospitalization or death this is not something that the vaccines are not something to treat a disease that a person already has which mm -hmm. is what a therapeutic would be the vaccines prevent and reduce the severity of a disease that you don't have yet. Yeah. So these are preventive measures. And you're right, we should take a close look at whether these vaccines are going to be effective against this new variant and other new variants. And uh, if necessary, the, then uh, I think the manufacturers of, of, of the existing vaccines can go back to the drawing board, develop new vaccines, uh, targeted specifically at the new variants, and uh, have those available on an accelerated scale like we did the current vaccines, maybe even a little faster if 
the current vaccines uh, uh, continue to display an impressive safety record. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about this before, Bob, about your concerns about the pace at which the FDA approved these vaccines. And those are valid concerns yeah. because with lots of drugs, uh, vaccines or therapeutics, the, uh, there's a chance of adverse events that don't appear in the, that will not appear in the uh, in clinical trials of the size the FDA requires and will only appear once the drug is out on the market and millions of people have received it. But that has already happened, and those severe safety events uh, are have not occurred. There have been some safety events, but the rate of those safety events has been uh, those adverse events have been very small, indicating that these vaccines remain very safe. So while your concerns and the concerns of others about safety are valid. I think so are the data, and the data show that they are these vaccines are impressively safe. Yeah. So, uh, last question, Michael. Isn't it true that uh, when uh, vaccines, when there are variants on uh, viruses uh, like COVID, uh, that they, the variants tend to become less lethal, less uh, certainly just as contagious, but not as harmful to society in terms of health? Is that is that usually the case? Uh, Typically, what happens with variants is, you know, viruses mutate all the time. And most mutations are not harmful. They actually weaken the virus. Right. Uh, But you don't need need a lot of uh, mutations to strengthen the virus. You only need one. Uh, And you can get more than one. And when you do get those mutations to strengthen the virus, either its transmissibility or its uh, lethality, then that virus can um, uh, can spread, become the dominant form of this, you know, SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus, and uh, and 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 be a real concern. And uh, and so uh, that's why public health officials are watching these new variants so closely. We don't know which of them are going to fit that profile and uh, lead to a, a lot more illness and death. Yeah. Michael Kant, again, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. I hope you check out the website, Cato, C-A-T-O dot org. Michael, always appreciate your commentary here on the show, and uh, happy Thanksgiving in spite of the travails of dealing with travel and so forth and coronavirus. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Bob. Thanks. Thank you as well. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees. I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. 
Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Keith Flaw. Keith is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a grassroots coalition of uh, now well over 110,000 people and 100 groups uh, across the state of Florida. We focus on K-12 through education. Uh, we're strong advocates for uh, parental or, or school choice. And, uh, of course, we work hard to get the indoctrination, the pornography, and the indoctrination against our core values and principles of our found, uh, you know, founding fathers out of this. You know, the, the indoctrination is just amazing in our schools. So it really we fight is. that. And, it's, and I must say, I, I support the Florida Citizens Alliance, needless to say, and uh, you've just achieved so much in the last eight or nine years since you've been in existence, you and uh, Pastor Rick and your leadership. Uh, yeah, now it's Thanksgiving. It's time to, maybe a time to reflect on all that we have to be grateful for, especially when it comes to public education. Well, I think uh, certainly, uh, you know, the, what, the, what we've accomplished uh, as a state, you know, on, uh, under the governor's leadership and, and uh, even before that, uh, with C uh, Commissioner Corcoran, who was the Speaker of the House, is some amazing reforms. Uh, you know, the new best standards uh, for English language arts and math, uh, which we were proud to play a role in. Um, new, brand new civic standards. Uh, that that uh, are the best in the nation, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, from a personal, uh, from a Florida Citizens Alliance point of view, the amazing team we've been able to put together. You know, you mentioned Pastor Rick's name, uh, Dominique, uh, our interns, but it goes much farther than that. We have leaders in about 20 counties who are actively engaged in their communities, uh, making a difference. Um, and and the relationships we've been. Uh, less to uh, to accomplish with our you know with both legislators and 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 key policymakers on education in the state so a lot to be uh, 
thankful for and grateful for. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, being so effective in Tallahassee, and one of the things I'm grateful for is that our governor right now has acted as a firewall against uh, some of the intrusive policies that this president and uh, this administration is putting off across the country, including uh, coronavirus and vaccines and so forth. All, yeah, certainly we all want to stay healthy, but uh, we don't need uh, onerous and dictatorial uh, mandates coming out of uh, the governor's office. And we don't here in Florida. We're so lucky about that. The other thing, though, is uh, people want school choice. People want uh, good education for the kids and also the governor and the uh, Commission of Education. The legislature have been very supportive of your agenda, haven't they? Yes, they have. Um, we've got a, an agenda for the upcoming year, and there's going to be some challenges there. It's an election year, and legislators are usually pretty um, cautious about doing anything controversial. So uh, we're working hard on trying to get rid of the pornography in our schools, and that's probably going to be a heavy lift in the Senate. Uh, but it's, we still have a little bit of time to get a Senate sponsor for uh, the bill hmm. that we're, we put forward. Uh, but on balance, uh, you know, some good stuff has happened and I think will happen in the upcoming legislative cycle. Yeah, our, our listeners have to be considered just shaking their heads. Why would it be a heavy lift to pass to do something about pornography in schools? It's just <laughs> hard to believe. Uh, can, maybe you can amplify that a little bit. Well, I'm I'm chuckling because it, it it's out of sadness uh, and, and just a reaction. And you know, we've been fighting the pornography for four years, uh, at least four years, a little bit longer than that. And we've just completed a uh, update of of our. Um, objectionable materials or porn report, uh, 58 novels uh, spread throughout the Florida schools. Um, wh why it's so hard to get legislators to uh, to deal with that is is beyond me. I mean, it's so so simple, and it's such a core value uh, that we don't indoctrinate and groom our kids for uh, for sexual exploitation, and yet that's exactly what we're do uh, allowing to happen. Yeah, uh, I I wish I could explain it. Uh, I'm as frustrated as uh, I think you are, uh, and some of your listeners. But um, it's it just it's it just mind-boggling. Well, here's uh, here's an example of the indifference, and I don't recall the circumstances, but I think it's happened in many school board meetings across the state of Florida and across the nation. But uh, someone wanted to read an example of pornography coming right out of the, the, the reading list for students. And uh, the attorney said, nope, you can't read that. It's too foul. It's too, yeah. it's too much pornography. So here we, you know, uh, to me, it's just so ludicrous that there should be any kind of resistance to this kind of legislation. And we actually have a fairly decent uh, obscenity laws for minors uh, here in Florida. And... Uh, you know, to, 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 to buy and distribute these books uh, through their library system is a, is a third-degree felony. And yet we cannot get the, you know, the state attorney to, to act. We cannot get the attorney general to act. Um, so, you know, I share your frustration uh, yeah. in spades, so to speak. I'm sure you do. So uh, I know you got a number that the calendar is looking pretty, pretty aggressive here towards the end of the year. And I know you've got some important events coming up. Maybe you can tell us about it. Well, on December 8th, and it's not our event, it's a, it's a Collier County and legislative delegation is meeting at the regional park in, uh, you know, off Lexington, uh, or off uh, Le uh, Livingston Road. Uh, on the, at 9 o'clock in the morning, um, 
uh, it's uh, every year by law the legislators in each county have to hold a hearing. I normally call them begging sessions because most of the local governments come and beg for money uh, going into the legislative cycle. We've used those over the last four years across the state uh, to advocate for, for education policy. And this year, Jim Kelly, I don't know if you know Jim, he's a, um, a parent with kids here in the public school system and uh, actually a pilot who's been significantly, American pilot who's been significantly impacted by this vaccine mandate. But he's going to represent us and we're going to try to turn out a number of people in support of uh, our legislative agenda. That's December 8th at 9 o'clock. Uh, and that's at the uh, North uh, Naples Regional Park up off of Livingston. Right. Uh, nine o'clock on the on on the eighth, you say? On the eighth, yeah. Okay. Then on December 9th, we're having our Christmas party at the Silver Spot Theater. Uh, um, w our guest speaker for that event is going to be General Jerry Boykin, um, and uh, we invite all of your listeners uh, to come and you know celebrate the season with us. And uh, uh, General Boykin's an amazing guy. He was the uh, Delta Force commander for Black Hawk Down. In Mogadishu, yeah, Ro rose to be a three-star general until uh, Obama relieved him. Uh, he is uh, now the uh, an executive uh, director for Family Research Council and an ordained pastor. So he's a really interesting fellow. Yeah, so that that'll be interesting indeed. So that's on the ninth, and uh, where can we get information about that? Uh, you can go to our website and uh, get tickets. Um, to, uh, for that event, so uh, I encourage your listeners to come uh, here at General Boykin. Okay. Again, he's just an amazing fellow. GoFLCA.com is the website. GoFLCA.com. Check out the website, uh, not only for the event, but also a lot of great information about uh, school choice and just a number of issues that we have right here in Florida. Uh, anything else? You've got another event coming up at the first of the year, don't yeah. you? Yeah, our big event, uh, well, it's actually March 9th. Um, it's our event with uh, Dennis Prager and Charlie Kirk. It's Kids in Country 2022. Um, we already uh, sold about uh, 150 seats for that event. Wow. Um, our capacity is going to be about 350. So um, we encourage listeners, your listeners to, to jump out and get those tickets before they're gone. Okay, goflca.com is the website. Keith, I always appreciate your commentary and especially appreciate the work that you're doing and the impact that you're having on public education here in Florida. GoFLCA is the website. GoFLCA.com is the website. Keith, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you. Have a great rest of your Thanksgiving weekend. And you as well. Thank you, Keith. All right, coming up, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year. And since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House thrift stores, 
Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity, maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, a proudly serving on their board, just doing great things. Among other things, they're creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. It means so much for people to have a job, to be able to contribute to others, and to be able to participate in something meaningful. And that's a job. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Well, the NFL and Rams owner Stan Kroenke will pay $790 million to settle a lawsuit filed by the St. Louis interest over the team's relocation to Los Angeles. That, according is a joint statement from St. Louis City and County. Uh, the settlement does not include a promise from the NFL to grant St. Louis an expansion franchise in the future, a source familiar with the source said. Confirming a report by the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, the idea wasn't seriously discussed, and the source told, uh, told ESPN, it was immediately clear how much would be paid by Kroenke and how much would be covered by owners of the league, the other 31 other teams in the uh, NFL. $750 million to be paid. Of course, this has been under litigation for a long period of time. So you can imagine the financial impact that moving out of St. Louis and to Los Angeles would have. Now, there's no doubt that there was certainly some cronyism going on. I'm, I'm sure that, that uh, the Rams, Saint, uh, that the Los Angeles paid a lot of money in order for St. Louis to move from St. Louis, the Rams to move to uh, Los Angeles. So uh, this is the cost of doing business right now. I hope with everything that's going in Los Angeles, the Rams find this to be... Uh, worthwhile expense, a lot of money. Well, two Fox News contributors resigned after Tucker Carlson's news special, Patriot Purge, premiered on the network, according to the New York Times. Ben Smith, formerly of BuzzFeed, now writing for the New York Times, reported that Jonah Goldberg, a former National Review writer, and Stephen Hayes, a former Weekly Standard writer, have quit the network after the special, after a special appeared on Fox Online subscription streaming service Fox Nation. Both have regularly appeared on the network since 2009. Well, a couple of comments. This, uh, this special 
Patriot Purge is fantastic. If you haven't seen it, there's three parts to it. You can see it on Fox Nation. You can also see go to TuckerCarlson.com for the next 90 days and uh, see the episodes at no cost. You don't have to subscribe to Fox Nation in order to see it. But uh, it is very well done. It is newsworthy. It is not a lot of uh, uh, hype and uh, exaggeration. I would encourage you to visit the website and see the Patriot Purge. The other thing, however, both Steve Hayes and Jonah Goldberg are uh, uh, never Trump uh, guys. And frankly, their removal from Fox News, their leaving actually is a step forward for Fox News, in my opinion. Uh, and I wonder what they're going to be doing to promote themselves because they've just stepped out of Fox News into oblivion, in my opinion. Just my point of view. Finally, the uh, Biden administration on Tuesday is asking a federal courts uh, immediately to lift an order halting its COVID vaccine and testing requirements for private business, warning that delaying implementation of the policy would cost lives and lead to increased hospitalizations. Justice Department told the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Court that the threat to workers is ongoing and overwhelming as offices reopen and highly transmissible Delta variant spreads. Simply put, delaying the standard would likely cost many lives per day, in addition to large numbers of hospitalizations, other serious health effects, and tremendous expenses. That's the uh, confluence of harms of the highest order, the Justice Department argued in its motion. The Biden administration asked that the court to at least permit the masking and testing requirements for the unvaccinated workers to remain in effect as a stopgap measure as the litigation plays out. Although the vaccination is the most effective means of mitigating the grave danger of COVID-19 in the workplace, masking and testing for unvaccinated employees is a reasonably effective alternative, the administration told the court. I guess they can see the writing on the wall that the court's not going to approve this because it's a grasp, it's a vast overreach of uh, federal power. The federal government has no right, nor the OSHA, in uh, demanding these types of things from private businesses. You know, government should stay in its lane and pr- protect us from internal and external predators. For example, uh, guard the border, which they failed to do, which is unlawful. They have so many things they could do without screwing up uh, private business. Well, not only with these, uh, with these mandates, but also look at what's happened with inflation, the cost of gasoline by virtue of closing down the pipeline and the other things that are going on right now. So... Uh, Hopefully this will fall on deaf ears. It will probably end up in the Supreme Court. And uh, with this new variant coming out anyhow, who's to say how effective these uh, vaccines are? Quite frankly, I have real questions about whether they're effective at all. That's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly have. I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you'll join us uh, on Monday. We'll visit with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. And as we always do on Mondays for the last 15 years, we'll be talking about current global events. Larry Reed is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry will be joining us as well as Jim McTigg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of a couple of great murder mysteries, uh, Follow the Leader and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>